Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas. This week we are joined once again by David and Lisa Spira of Room Escape Artist. This is Errol. And I'm Manda. And we are a podcast about everything escape rooms. And we're excited again because we are. This is almost a tradition now. It's a holiday tradition. Yes, it is a holiday tradition. (laughs) Three years in a row. (laughs) Welcome, Ah. David and Lisa. Thank Thank you. you. David and Lisa Spira, obviously, most people on this podcast should know that they are the writers, owners, co-founders of Room Escape Artists, the blog of North America to learn about everything escape rooms. And as Amanda said, we do this three, this is the third year Mm -hmm. that we interview and talk about the escape room industry. And I think... Lisa and David have all sorts of plans because they want yes. to they want to change it up a bit. We don't know what these plans are though. I think they're keeping it secret from us. <laughs> I know. What the hell, guys? Oh, <laughs> uh, we may be able to share some of those plans today. Yay! <laughs> so how are how are you two anyway? I mean, I haven't talked to you since like Slack yesterday. So I know it's been it's to- been a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> But we haven't talked in in in, in person, well, in in relatively in person. person. Yeah. Yes, I think so. I know it's it has really been a while. Periodically, I do see your articles going up. I think maybe do you want to start off with because the latest article that ju- I just saw, well, it's not the latest. Actually, the latest one I saw was about locks. But no, it was about your your Patreon or Patreon, however you want to Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. that's a uh, this is Lisa's baby. Uh, <laughs> this is oh, is it? Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Well, we've uh, we've launched a Patreon. It's a Patreon is a platform where people can support creators. Creators can be artists or bloggers or podcasters or people who are creating different types of content that other people are consuming. And you can support on an ongoing basis um, to help these creators keep creating. So. After four years of writing Room Escape Artist, we decided that it would be a really good thing to give um, an avenue for people to support the work that we're doing. And we have been really just impressed with all of the wonderful support we've gotten so far. We, we had a whole bunch of people asking us to set this up for a while, and we kept, we were really reluctant to do it. Um, but. We've kind of reached a point where we're devoting so much time to this blog that we were like, "All right, we're we're we we need to start generating some revenue because otherwise, you know, we're not going to be able to afford to live." Because um, it's you know, it, it, this went from a hobby that you know we were just doing in a little bit of free time to a hobby that has you know just consumed every waking hour that we're not actually <laughs> working <laughs> a full-time hobby if yeah you guess. And, and we we love it and we want to continue doing it and we have all of these ideas and ambitions to make you know new and interesting things for the community and a lot of it you know really requires us to be able to bring in other people and we want to be able to pay people and you know and pay ourselves uh so this is kind of a you know a, a you know putting our toe in the water of trying to figure out how to get a little bit more revenue. No, understood. It's mm-hmm. it's a, an insane amount of work. I was I think I've mentioned a bit in the podcast before. I'm just so happy I'm not blogging because the amount of work that goes into <laughs> it. You released how often do you release an article? It's like once every day? Or? It, it is. It is every <laughs> single day. 10:01 a.m. <laughs> Eastern every single day because 10:01 is a palindrome. 
Ah, you know, <laughs> I, I am having a hard time right now keeping my comic up to date. So you are. <laughs> I've lost. I I no longer have my web comic fix, and then all of a sudden, like ten of yeah, them know, pop up at once. Anyway, it isn't. It is a lot of work, and so yeah. that's great. And you are saying that a lot of people are responding well. This is good to hear. Hopefully, you said that. Yeah, we hit our second goal within basically a couple of days of launching the uh, of launching it. So we were we were pretty surprised. Uh, you know, we were we were not expecting that at all. That's um, so. amazing and well deserved. I'm super happy because thank you. Because you know you always worry about about people starting uh, Patreons and it, and it's hard and you need mm. to have you need to have at least a fan base. It was great because we would do you know you you have your article on Kickstarter and I would sometimes do talks when I was back in my music days. We would talk about things like crowdfunding and a lot of people would go to these seminars we were not seminars it was just like at conferences but they were like little panels. workshops yeah panels thank yeah. you panels and they would just think okay we just put on a kickstarter and then money would flow in and we're going no money will not flow in yeah. you have to put in an insane amount of work the the field of dreams model doesn't work it's the, if you if you if you posted it you know they will pay it just is not it's not a thing yes and especially if you don't have anything so i i would hear about people with absolutely no fan base and they don't even have anything out there but they need money to get started on something so they would think okay i'll just put it on kickstarter and then all the money would flow and it's like it doesn't work that way we've always moved in the opposite direction of that where we we wait we wait really long before you know we waited a very long time we were blogging and reviewing for a very very long time before we ever even asked for a media discount of any kind we've always been a you know do the work you know, pr- you know, prove that you're producing something valuable, and they will come, and well, <laughs> and and then and then ask, and um, then they will agree to help you earn money. Yeah. It's been yeah. four years. Has it been four years? A little bit more. Yes, it has been wow. four years. I will say that you know, David and I are very practiced at writing because we publish every day, but we were not practiced at recording a video. So if you want to see <laughs> David and I record a video, you can go to our Patreon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there are puzzles. I, I I ended up stitching in some uh, some little uh, little cryptograms and and the like throughout it. Um, most of the, most of them mocking me and my inability to uh, to, to to make video. <laughs> <laughs> we learned a lot. <laughs> it, now, actually, I remember. I do remember the first time you contacted me, unless it wasn't you. And then it's, this will just be an embarrassing bit for everybody. Well, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the first time? I think it was you who contacted me, David. I I vaguely remember reaching out to you. I I really I I, I just remember that I was confused about where you were publishing because, like, I had seen you your name come up in a whole bunch of places. And, I, and oh, I remember what it was. It was you. I realized that you were, like, the only person I knew who was regularly escaping with your kids. And yes. I, I, we had had some people write in asking about, like, you know, how do you, you know, bring kids along? And I was like, I, I don't know anything about that at all. I, I, I know that children need to be fed and clothed and... <laughs> You know, they're supposed to go to school. That's about what I know about children. So I remembered seeing that you were posting about, you know, taking your daughters. And I, so I wrote to you and I was like, hey, would you be willing to write um, a piece about this? Actually, I already had a piece out there already. Ah, and I didn't realize it. No, no, actually, I think you, you read it 
and you asked me about it. And oh. you even gave me a suggestion because you even you gave me the suggestion, hey, we here in the States have public booking. So what you might want to do is you might want to add in there that if you have public booking, you might want to try to book the whole room out so you don't stick poor strangers with your snotty kid. That's you right. That way. That's right. I, I would think it that way. I'm, I'm misremembering <laughs> all of the history. That is absolutely what happened. And the reason was because one of our closest friends had um, just taken a whole bunch of um, her friends to play an escape room. And they ended up in uh, a whole bunch of adults. I think they're all in their 20s and um, 20s and 30s. And they ended up in a room with two moms and three or four kids is like these two two moms took a whole bunch of like their kids and uh, like their friends kids on this play date and um one of the mothers was like super into being there one of the mothers was just really pissed off and <laughs> she just wanted her you know she wanted the kids to solve everything and anytime any of our friends touched anything she was barking at our friends about how you know they you know this you know this is for the kids the, the insanity of this is that this was a really hard game um this was a hard game from like 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 four years ago um so it was legitimately challenging we lost this game when we played it um, oh, yeah i remember that game yeah and uh and so they got blown out by this and our you know our friends you know were, we just had a miserable time and so she wrote in and was like hey you should do a post on this and then i remembered i had seen yours and i said you know errol already did this let me reach out to that guy and it was great advice and then i think i was so busy i didn't actually get a chance to put that tidbit in so i wasn't ignoring you i just uh, it's like me and my web comic i haven't updated it in four days <laughs> that's so, so funny we understand yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah you would understand <laughs> <laughs> we, we have... like an owner that doesn't take your advice <laughs> <laughs> we have a we run all of our project management with trello for for this we have mm. just we have so many ideas for posts that are sitting in there that we haven't gotten to. We have we have probably a year's worth of content more. ideas, yeah, more. that we we haven't even touched. Um, it just it's just all piling up there. Some of it is, has been there for years, and every once in a while we open it up and we're like, "Hey, that would be a really good post to write," and then and then we don't write it. Right. Well, at least <laughs> at least you have like a kind of like a pot of inspiration to draw from when when you're like what should we write about i don't know go go to the you know we're pot i don't know what you called it trello what yeah, is it? yeah trello is it's free project management software um oh. uh, we use it to organize like every aspect of our lives we have trello boards for 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 our our home and for any project we undertake we had one for our wedding yeah, whenever we're it's how we organize ourselves because we're crazy. Because and... nothing says romantic like Trello. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a good marketing tool for them. I was just, just show say. a couple planning yeah. the wedding, and it's now like we're a it commercial could be for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, to be fair, organizing a wedding is super hard, so I can understand using it. But I, you know, it's, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> I, we should use it for our escape events. I think that nothing endears me more to Lisa than when I'm being hyper organized. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> So that's really cool. So over the years, Room Escape Artist has gotten bigger. You have two new writers and you still have a year's worth of content that you're trying to get out. Have you ever decided or thought maybe you should try to farm out some of these ideas to people in the industry to write for you? Or do you still want to keep it a bit under wraps or 
under control because you don't know what these people will write. Who knows yeah. what I would write? Crazy. <laughs> um, we're, we're open to bringing on additional people. Our thing is we want to pay people um, for, uh, the, for the work that they do. And at the moment, we just don't have the budget to pay people. Um, so we've only been able to bring on just a few people in a limited capacity. We have Steve, who is writing puzzle video game reviews. And we have Sarah, who is writing um, about limited time events in Los Angeles, because there are a lot of puzzle-driven escape room-esque events happening out there that you know only have a couple shows. And they're both doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, they're... You know, I, I snatched Sarah. Did you know that? For, for what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so she hasn't told you. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, maybe she thinks it's secret. It's not really secret. I, I wanted her help for the cryptic hunts. And, and I told her she could say no. Cryptic. <laughs> she, she, what did I say? That, that's that's oh. brilliant. She's, she, is, she is so freaking good at what she does and oh, yeah. the other thing about her is so she she's and she's always, she's really shy about all this but she was a copy editor for buzzfeed and um she's she's a brilliant writer and we have a because we're again we're crazy we have a full style guide we have like an 11 page style guide for room escape artists that nice. covers all all manner of details so we sent that to her and she had read you know she'd been reading our stuff for for a long time the first review she wrote for us, really every review she's written for us, she mimics our voice so perfectly that nobody ever realizes that it's someone else. Um, there are times where we, you know, we get reviews from her, and I, I feel like she is writing like us at our best. Like if we, if we took it, like really like our, our peak posts, she's like, she sounds exactly like us on those days, and it, and it blows me away every time. <laughs> Oh, she's been awesome. I got, I'm now, I, I just asked her because I wanted some help in regards to writing. And, and, and I asked her and she seemed to be keen. And then she's been amazing. She's editing everything I'm doing. It's awesome. I love it so much. Yeah, she, <laughs> I know, editing is hard. And, and I also feel guilty. I didn't want her to do it out of and, and out of compulsion. But she just seemed to be really interested in the project. So it's been great. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah. Definitely. And, and the other thing that we've done that's kind of brought a lot of people in, not in a writing capacity, but we've started this news bulletin that we're publishing at the end of every oh, month. right, right, right. And so that has been a great way to involve people from all over the country, all over the world, actually, to send in interesting escape room news. They can write a little blurb about it. Um, it can be their own news or news that they read about or heard about. And that's been really exciting. We're basically accepting anything that's relevant to escape rooms. And, you know, and that's it's 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 been, you know, we've published twice. It's starting to pick up steam. And it's really just us trying to provide a way for companies all over to get the word about out about new games, about, you know, limited time events, about, you know, opening up new locations. Um, if a company is closing and they, you know, they want to, you know, let people know that, you know, there's a limited amount of time. We're open to all of it. And it, you know, it doesn't celebrity matter. Celebrity sightings. Oh, yeah. Celebrity sightings. That's a, you know, <laughs> we, we, see Dan Egner anywhere? Yeah. Or well, Neil, Neil Patrick Harris played at one of our uh, favorite local rooms in New York. And, oh, wait, uh, you mean like real? So, not that Dan Egner's not Oh, wow. <laughs> cut him down <laughs> like, as soon as you brought him up. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Egner is wonderful, but... Um, <laughs> 
I, I feel like even even a lot like you you, you still got to be you know pretty deep into the uh, escape room weeds to be like oh I know who, I know that dude. We need to get paparazzi following him around. Yeah, I mean he he, he he deserves it. He does. I think that's the only way you can really truly call yourself as an enthusiast is if you know who Dan Egner is. Yeah. Oh, is that is that yeah. our is he's, that, that our is benchmark now? now? He's gonna okay. he's gonna really loathe this conversation. Oh boy. I think I've made it almost every podcast now. I've mentioned him. Yeah, he, you have. He, he loves attention. So much. <laughs> anyway, getting back to Patreon, I'm still trying to remember how to say it properly. So how long uh, were you planning before you launched it? I mean, I, can un- I mean, it's probably a difficult process getting that going, or, ma- or maybe not. Maybe you just turned it on and then the money flowed. I- I'm not too sure because it's you guys. Um, it, we've been working on it since the summer. Oh, wow. Um, One of the most challenging things about creating a Patreon is creating something that will be sustainable for you to not, I guess, you know, when you when you create a Patreon, um, some money comes in, but you also give out some rewards um, Mm -hmm. to, to the people who are backing you, which we were so excited to do. And we had all these incredible ideas of things we could do for the people supporting us. And we had to think about which ones were the most reasonable to, to do um, that wouldn't you know, add tons and tons of time and energy. Yeah. And Noah Nelson from No Percentium Podcast, we were, we were having lunch with him in, in Los Angeles back when we were out there with you. He said, you know, run all your, your, your Patreon ideas by me and I'll, I'll give you some feedback. And we told him all the plans we had and he was like, so if you do what you're, what you're proposing, you're going to destroy your own website because <laughs> you're going to be so busy fulfilling the, the needs for the, for the backers, um, for the supporters, mm-hmm. that you're not going to have the time you need to continue to nourish the website that they're that they're there to support. When he real when he pointed that out, and we realized that the ideas that we had were going to strangle room escape bars to death, we you know we adjusted and we, we kind of came on this this notion that like, if you're going to support us, you're going to support us because you you support what we are doing, not what we're going to do extra for you. And and if and we we decided that we would rather have supporters who want to support the work that we have going on rather than just you know, ask for, for, for more, you know, tons and tons of bonus stuff that's specifically for them. And we felt like if we get less money because of that, that's fine because there, there's a mission here and we don't want to compromise it. Perks are hard to fulfill. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the, that's, it's, did, did I ever tell on this podcast my Larry Elmore story? I cannot remember. You did not. I did not. I anyway, I'll make so. it really quick. There was a Kickstarter. I was on a Kickstarter pater- panel. It was at a con, and there was myself and my. It was my bandmate at the time, and we were like the lowest Kickstarter people. I think we Kickstarted like two thousand dollars or something like that, and we and succeeded. The next, the, the next person up Kickstarted five thousand and was successful. And then the third person on the panel was Larry Elmore, an old school guy that used to do all the art art in Dungeons and Dragons. And his Kickstarter was about 500000 or something like that. Or maybe it was lower. And I think in the end, he got $750,000 to have a complete uh, thing of his work. So he, he was really, you know, he was, he was probably the draw for this panel. Definitely wasn't me. 
Anyway, one of his perks, and he didn't think about this, was to draw little dragons for for everybody, just like hand-drawn dragons for anybody that uh, donated this amount of money. And in the end, 750 people donated that amount of money, and he had to draw 750 dragons. And it, and, and it took him months, almost like within over a year, trying to get, I got to draw another stupid dragon. <laughs> <laughs> And it's and it's true that there are a lot of things you think sound really cool until you realize you're not a Chinese factory. Whoa, that's kind of racist. Wow. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. Asian though. Like you could have just said factory. <laughs> like a factory does the same. Oh my gosh. Editing. Yeah. Anyway, but it's true, and it's a lot of work. And we've we've seen it, you know, and we've written a fair amount of commentary about you know Kickstarters, um, both tabletop puzzle games and and room and real life escape rooms and you know we see a lot of these these kickstarters that aren't prepared for success um you know everybody looks you know they set this goal of you know this is the threshold i need to meet Uh, and and if i if i achieve that then that's wonderful and 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 i can you know i can do all my plans and they don't stop and think about well what happens if i blow away that threshold you know there's that um i can't remember the name of it uh, the codex something or other i think that uh is that laser cut wooden puzzle book mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. we you know, yes, yes, you know, yes, yes a lot of us backed on kickstarter i think like 2 years ago uh, and they keep publishing updates and they, you know they're they, you know they're they're putting out their product it's a, it's a good faith kickstarter and i know that i'll get mine one day but Oh my! Were they clearly not prepared for for success? And and it's funny because enough people now have done Kickstarter and are really good at understanding how Kickstarter works. That if you were to launch on a Kickstarter or even a Patreon kind of campaign, there's stuff out there. There are people to talk to. There are so many people experienced at it that you could go into it without making the same mistakes. Yeah. And so there, there if you're going to learn anything from, from this podcast, it's there are a lot of people that know how to do it, and you should listen to them. Yeah. yeah I, I, we, we read a lot before we launched ours, and we talked to a lot of people, and we had that wonderful conversation with Noah, who we thank so much, and and that helped us you know, meet our first and second goal already, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully continue to meet goals. So I'm going to explain a little story about how I'm dumb. I was on the no pro <laughs> Slack. You know, I'm just going doopy doopy doo as I do because I don't know how to properly blend into communities. And here I am. <laughs> and they they talked about GoPro, and that was their uh, that was their Patreon um, <laughs> nickname was GoPro because they wanted to go pro. And so I'm thinking to myself, wait, are you just going to take videos of yourself walking around doing the podcast? That's kind of interesting. It's like. No, that's not what that is. <laughs> and it's like, oh. To be fair, they shouldn't have named it GoPro. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, I didn't know what it was either. Uh, when I saw you step in that, I was like, oh, I learned a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when somebody else crashes and burns for their ignorance. <laughs> And then you can learn from it. Yeah, that, that's what I'm here for. That's That's been one of my signature moves is just learning from other people's failures. Oh, that's great. Anyway, so that starts off uh, the the podcast, the nice Patreon talk. I know you have a lot of other things that we can delve into. Yes. Where do you want to Where do you want to go from here? 
where do we want to go from here? You had like, a list, and then I saw that list was, and then just, didn't write it down. This could be edited out later. Why? Man, just, no, no, just like... <laughs> Just thinking, like you, you had a list of like, how do we organically like work this in? We're on the Patreon train now, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here, uh, how, how about another organic plug? We have a holiday buyer's guide that was organic. Oh, right, right. Came out. I took a look at that. Yeah, there were we, some fancy toys in there. How do you how do you research your holiday holiday buyer's guide? Do you just buy them all and then say these are awesome no i probably not david but researches how- this all year he's oh. already working on the next one. Oh wow oh that's cool and then you just keep it all in your trello board and then just spit it out that is exactly it it's uh i, I keep a really really long list um we're constantly you know going to to conventions and going to to trade shows and the like and keeping an i know keeping an eye out for what ever escape room people might find interesting and we try to acquire as many of them uh and you know over the over the course of the year as we can to some of them we'll just you know we'll do reviews over the course of the year um some of them we you know we find friends in the community who own them and then we'll go over and play with their toys um you know there are a number of people who help contribute um you know brett cuner and uh there's the swan family who um is it's they're some of our our oldest readers um and their their son max i think he's i think he's 11 he just suggests some really wonderful stuff um the kid is brilliant and we can always count on him for recommendations for just really smart toys that will you know appeal to a younger demographic that we're not all that familiar with uh so yeah it's just an ongoing thing um and 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 i i love picking out perfect gifts for people so I feel like this is just an extension of that hobby. Cool. And, and is there something that you personally are looking forward to maybe getting or owning? What's, what's in your list that you're excited about? My, the, the, my favorite thing that was on the list this year was um, the, the melting Nazi candle, uh, <laughs> which I, I, I gave as a gift to my father. And I, I don't think I've ever made him as, as happy um, as I ever have. This is... This is the um, the villain from Raiders of the Lost Ark who you know oh, who, who gets who gets that is yeah who gets That's melted funny. by by the Ark of the Covenant um, with the, you know, the the guy with the glasses yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's basically like Indiana Jones Darth Vader so he it's this this candle of his, of the bust of him and it's it's really big and it's really detailed it looks perfect and you light the candle and and, and it, you know his face just melts uh, oh, wow. that That's was the brilliant. one that that really um, you know, I, I was most happy about, um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of good puzzle games on there. Um, Tale of Ord is one that we reviewed, um, and mm. just loved. Um, this is, uh, a kind of a, a higher level of complexity play at home puzzle game. It's, uh, it's playable in like four to four to eight sessions, depending upon your, your level of commitment. And it's, it's, it's just a really it's it's a wonderfully written game. Uh, it has it takes you on a on a narrative arc. The puzzles are really well designed. Um, some of the more tangible ones are, are are incredible. And one of the things that was amazing about it was after we play we finished the game, I went back and I read some of the materials from the first chapter, and I realized just how tightly written it all was and how. You know, just how completely thought out this this narrative arc was, 
and it, it just made me love it all the more. So the, those are two that are, have been jumping out at me. There's, there's a lot of really fun stuff on there. A couple of I tabletop should... games that we recently discovered and really like. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Cool. I should send that list to my mom because my <laughs> mom has been... My mom is really nice and she really wants to make me happy. So she'll often try to buy the things for her weird geeky daughter that like... So she, she's been calling me because they live in a small town and they have like a little bit of a board game pop-up that comes every year to the mall and so there's escape room board games in there, but because it's like a fairly, you know, commercial thing, they're all the well-known ones like Stargazer's Manor and mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Werewolf Experiment and, and that sort of thing. So my poor mom was calling me or, or texting me, just like, have you played this one? And I'm like, yes, I have played that one. She goes, well, what do you got? How am I supposed to do this? And so I, had, I ended up, like, <laughs> sending her a couple board game suggestions, but that would be a good one to send her, because then she could just pick something and, but you know. And then you can get Melting Nazi. I, I would like Melting Nazi <laughs> Candle. <laughs> I, I think you would truly like Tale of War. I also think that you would probably enjoy the um, Unlock series, um, their game Tale of Oz, I think. Is the Adventures, it? Adventures in Oz. Adventures in Oz. Um, Do you have that? Have you played any of the Unlock games? We yes. played the first okay. few. So. And I've heard they've gotten a lot better. I think so they're, they're, they're hit or miss. Um, they're, from the latest batch, there are some that I think are, are just barely playable. But Tale of Oz, especially if you're familiar with the mechanics and you understand how that series operates, it's very narrative-driven. And, and it really does... It, it plays with the whole Wizard of Oz uh, world, and it does it in a really satisfying way. Um, I would not play it if you are not comfortable with the unlock mechanics because it can be kind of unforgiving if you if you're unfamiliar with it. But mm-hmm. um, I think you know, especially for Mampans looking for narrative driven stuff, Tale of uh, Adventures in Oz, Tale of Ord. There's also from the Exit game series. I think it was Sunken Treasure that we yeah, just played. Yeah, that's the one. Um, which Wait, is, is that just is that on our foyer right now? Mm-hmm. I should look. Yeah. What's a foyer? <laughs> <laughs> What's a foyer? No, I don't know what a foyer is. It's like, do you guys have a foyer? I don't know. It sounds so French and fancy. <laughs> so th- those are really, they, they really do a good job of telling a story. Oh, we have that one too. We haven't played it yet. Yeah, that's, that's uh, next up for us. Yeah, that one's next up. I think that may be the last one of the, the currently available exit series okay. for us. The Holiday Gallers bought the Holiday Buyer's Guide. That's exciting. It is. Find all the fun things to buy you, your nerdy, your nerdy friend or spouse or kid. Actually, I wouldn't have any problems trying to figure out what to buy for a nerdy person, but my wife would, so <laughs> she could look at that. Actually, it's funny because she's she's searching for a present for our nieces in Australia, and then I said, why don't you just buy it online and get it sent to them? And one of my nieces really likes, thinks blobfishes are hilarious. And I said, well, you should just get her a stuffy of a blobfish. And then she found a shirt from this place called Red Bubble or something like that. And it has blobfish faces on these, on these sweaters. And now my Facebook is littered with, <laughs> blobfish and, and Instagram is littered with, in, uh, no, of this company. And we're going, 
Wait, she was looking at it on her computer. I don't know. Why is it I on my Facebook now? The Facebook, what Facebook hears, like the microphone must turn on on my phone and it just listens oh. to what I'm saying. Something like that. Yay, dystopia. <laughs> and then upcoming. Well, that that's an that's a good transition from Blobfish to the Golden Lock Awards. Yeah, so 20, <laughs> transitions the podcast. Um, so t- yeah, twenty eighteen. That was I was happy this year because I I actually got chances to play games with you guys. That oh, was oh that's right. Oh even I did. Oh right, yeah, this we, is we the year I got a chance to play, to play with, you with you. Not only did we get yeah. to play with Manda, but. We have the best post-game photos ever together. We, <laughs> we do. We that truly did. Yeah. Was, was that that was uh, Escape Zandvoort? Yeah. I think right. Yeah. yeah. That, that had had the green screen image, uh, the green screen background, and uh, dropped us into some wonderful settings. Um, hands down, the best post-game photos. Oh yeah, that was great. And we could see ourselves as it was being taken, so we could pose properly. And yeah. Yeah. Side uh, note: I, I should, while I have you guys here. Like, uh, I should thank you properly again for getting me through my very real anxiety <laughs> attack, uh, travel anxiety attack when we were on our way to Amsterdam. And you guys basically for shoving me into a cab to get to my hotel on time. You're, so. you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I, I could tell that you were spinning. And uh, yeah, I, I don't even know how much of that you remember. But I basically grabbed you by the loop on the back of your backpack and I, I held you still. <laughs> And I, I hailed a cab, I put you in, I told the driver where you were going, and then I closed the door. Yeah. <laughs> and miraculously. And on the way, I was like, you do accept MasterCards, right? And the driver's like, yes, I do. <laughs> it was fine. Everything was fine. <laughs> it was like, that was my one moment on the trip where I wasn't sure what was going on. Every other time, I was nervous, but it was like, we'll get there. It's fine. <laughs> That was my bad moment. Uh, it's okay. We saw you three hours later. It was great. Yeah, you, you had it back together, and uh, it's just just happy to be there to help you out. Thanks. Anyway, so that was that was Amsterdam. But uh, so how? So the moral of this story is that if you ever go on a trip, just bring David and Lisa. Yeah, bring David and Lisa, and yeah. or Aria. only go on trips with David and Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> only go on trips with David and Lisa. They will shove you into cabs when you need That's it. That's true because I, I followed them around the continent. I first I saw them in Boston, then I That's went true. to LA. That's true. We keep randomly ending up in the same cities together, and it's truly random. There is no like planning or foresight. We just end up in the same places as you at the same time. It was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> so, how was your 2018 overall? Do you think? I think it was pretty incredible. Um, both, you know, in terms of escape rooms and other things. I think we played some outstanding games in 2018, and we're really excited to give out some awards soon. Yeah. Yes. So, so what, one of the uh, secret projects that we have going on is uh, we're, we're copying you, uh, Errol, and, uh, and, and what, you done, what you did with, uh, with Rich for the uh, Enthusiast Choice Awards. And what we're going to be doing on January 2nd is doing a live broadcast uh, Announcing the Golden Lock-In Awards. Oh, that's so much fun. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Yes. That's great. We we did that at the last minute when we actually did a live broadcast. So hopefully you'll be able to do it in a far more professional manner than we did. <laughs> hey, you know, And you know we're gonna, we, we just go over the top with everything we do. So yeah, that, <laughs> that's good. Ho- just hopefully, make sure uh, you're not watching Call of the Midwife at the same time. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we, we've got a few people who are helping us out and, uh, you know, to, to try and keep it, uh, you know, to, to get it get it a little bit polished since, uh, as anyone who's seen our Patreon knows, we're just trying to figure out how this video thing even works. Are you are you doing it on Facebook Live? Are you going to do it on Google I think, Live? I think we're going to be using YouTube Live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's handy. That's yeah. easier than Facebook Live. But yeah. we will much, we will make sure to figure that out and share the link broadly before we actually get to January 2nd. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> that's exciting though. I'm excited for that. Thanks. Yeah, we're it just seemed like a fun thing to do and um, you know, it, it was it, we we really enjoyed that you guys were able to talk a little bit about those games. And when we write the golden lock-in descriptions, you know, we write these very brief, punchy, you know, like it's just like a paragraph. And then there's, if you want to hear more about us gushing about it. It's not even a paragraph. It's It's like two to three sentences. We keep it really tight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this, this, we felt like this would be a really nice way to, to, to call out some of, uh, you know, to talk about this in a little bit more of a, a personal way. And then hopefully you'll probably have a little chat going as well. Oh, yeah. You're going to go, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. going to be in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is January 2nd? Uh, this oh, will yeah. be January 2nd. Yes, it'll be in the evening. It'll be at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, so that's the golden lock-ins. And I think in the spirit of absolutely terrible transitions, uh, Matt Pans and I were talking about suspension of disbelief. Ah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm currently writing a blog post on this now. Oh, like, you're writing a blog post on it. Yeah, cool. it, it affects narrative and stuff, and I'm curious about it. It it was because of a. It was like I think it's like been a couple months since I saw this post in the enthusiast group. They brought up something about immersion and how to be full, like, you know, what are the most immersive experiences and everything, and somebody brought up suspension of disbelief in a comment, and it, it, it just got me thinking, like, no matter how immersive we make these escape rooms, there's always a suspension of disbelief when you walk in them, right? Like, I know that that styrofoam wall is not a stone wall in an Egyptian tomb, but I can, you know, suspend my disbelief enough to... Like, pretend it mm-hmm. is. And I wrote a huge rant just on the enthusiast group, Facebook enthusiast group, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Because there was... And it, and it sort of relates. Yeah. Because I personally hate it when I have to think outside of the game world in mm-hmm. order to solve a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so that almost is like, okay, we want you to be immersive, but now we're going to... Now think outside of the game world and try to solve this puzzle. It's like, no, you brought me into this world. Don't make me think outside of it. It's not like I'm going to play Breath of the Wild. And when you say at midnight, you go play this song. And I'm going to say, you mean you mean when it's midnight at home for me? No, I don't think that ever. So it's like it, it bothers me when escape games seem to think they can take that liberty. I- I have a policy, as this predates escape rooms, my policy about suspension of disbelief, this is for you know novels and movies and video games and you name it, any work of fiction. I will willingly suspend my disbelief so long as you keep, you maintain your own rules, you maintain your mm-hmm. own world. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you tell me that you're in a zero-gravity environment and I walk in and I can feel gravity, I will say, you know what, I'm, I'm cool. As long as you continue to, you know, everything in this game operates on, on, on that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend. 
I, you know, I, I'm, I am totally willing to go the five-year-old route and be like, oh yeah, absolutely. This is, this is what's going on. So this long as floor is made of lava, right. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So long as every bit of your game is, is, is contributing to that suspension of disbelief. The second you start to contradict yourself, or you drop that, or you, you know, you, you change it up on me, um, you've lost me, and I, you know, and, and, and it's very hard to get me back at that point. Well, you've touched on something that, like, I oh no, I should I should run down and get the book. We'll post in the notes. But one of the books I was reading on video game narrative, uh, it put it very well, pretty much exactly as you put it. When in any art medium, when an audience is consuming the art, they almost like enter a pact with the storyteller or the designer or whomever. Yeah, and that's like okay, we know that what you're showing us isn't real, but we're willing to, you know look past that so long as the stuff you set up for us is consistent and the moment that you start breaking your own rules it starts to jar you and if you're jarred enough like if if enough of those happen or one really big one happens then suddenly you're out of the experience and you're just not you're you're not willing to follow along with the story anymore or you're not willing to you know like you're like that's it i'm out you you screwed up on the other extreme, like when people talk about what is, you know, what is the most immersive you can get, the, you know, the, the answer is real. And I don't necessarily think that that's always the best avenue. So like last year, we went to Atlanta, Georgia with a whole bunch of enthusiasts because we were supposed to be going and doing a puzzle hunt, but it was canceled last minute, but we all had tickets to Atlanta. So um, it was us and Egnor and, you know, Tammy and uh, Amanda, Amanda and Drew. And Drew. And we, Rex. And, and Rex, and um, we were all, so we all just did this, this massive escape room tour in the greater Atlanta area. And we ended up at a company called Escape Woods. Has anyone, have you heard about this? I think I've heard your, your okay. story on it. Uh, I, I, I didn't know if anybody had talked about this on, on, on the podcast, but. Um, no, we haven't talked about it on the no. podcast. Okay. So this was, this was an incredible experience. And I mean that in, 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 in both a wonderful and a terrible way. We get to this place. It's out in the middle of the woods. It's on a farm. It's actually on the farm where um, a number of scenes from uh, a large portion of season two of Stranger Things was shot. Uh, it's where Merle's oh. pumpkin patch was that was, you know, died in early in season two. It's also where the cat cabin uh, that Eleven was was hiding in is located. It's, it's actually on this property. And um, so we pull up onto this property. We go to their lobby, which is basically like a trailer um, out in the woods and most of the lobby is outside. And we're standing out there waiting for our game to start. And I lean over to Rex and I whisper to him, in an hour if we walk out saying that we just played the best game of our lives, I won't be surprised. And in an hour from now, if we walk out and say, we just played the worst game of our lives, I won't be surprised. <laughs> and um, we ended up, you know, our game master comes out and we're playing a game called The Bunker. It's a Stranger Things themed game. He hikes us a little bit through the woods and we end up approaching this structure that turns out to have been hacked together from large part, large chunks of the, uh, the set from The Hunger Games. It's this big bunker thing that's just plopped down in the middle of the woods. And we go down some metal steps into it, and we're now in this 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 chamber, this wooden like office like but like run down and old and it's 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 heavily it's it's heavily weathered, not because it was weathered, but because it's actually worn. And the the floor is 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 like it's like wooden, I think it's like like it, it's just like plywood floor. 
and it's damp. There isn't like footings or any or foundation under this. Um, it's just the structure plopped down on the dirt. Um, and you take a step and, you know, and, and, and you can feel the wood sag beneath your feet. And you go and you start searching around and you, you move a thing that's on the floor and bugs crawl out from under it. And you look up at the ceiling and there are there are nails coming, you know, coming out, you know, protruding. You could just see the point, you know, the tips of the nails from just how the stuff was hammered together. It looks like the pit from Mortal Kombat. And then, you know, we 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 solve this first room and we end up in this steel like chamber and it, it's it's all sci-fi. It looks like it's straight out of a movie and you're kind of like stepping over this stuff and you end up in another chamber. And the game progresses like this. It's heavy searching, kind of obtuse puzzles uh, in this absolutely real environment um it it looked it 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 wasn't it wasn't immersive in the someone built an amazing set it was immersive in someone made something that felt real and as we when we exited that game the feeling that i had um the other thing about it is it was long it was just like physically long it was this series of tubes and chambers and it just took up a giant footprint yeah as we emerged i felt like I was a child back in the 80s going off with my friends and having an unsupervised adventure where we did some utterly stupid, dangerous stuff. When I walked out of that game, I I, I leaned over to Rex and we both whispered to each other, it was both. Um, It was simultaneously amazing and, and, and kind of terrible. Puzzle design was seriously lacking. The immersion was amazing. I wish it was a little bit safer. I felt like it could have been. I, I felt like the, some some improvements could have been made to to maintain the mystique and the feel that they have um, that did that wouldn't have compromised um, you know the 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 set and the environment. It, this was not like a we're on a you know we're on a, a make make believe adventure. It really felt like we were in this crazy place because we were. And I, I don't think that's a direction that this industry should necessarily be going in, but I kind of love this game. And we keep sending people there. We tell them, like, look, if you're not the right person, don't go. And our friends who we played with, um, people liked it and didn't like it to different degrees and in different ways. And I think some people were really enthusiastic about the immersion and how different this was and how real, and other people were really less enthusiastic about the puzzle design. Yeah. So we, you know, we like me. try to send the right yeah. people. I think Amanda was just like disgusted. She like watched like, <laughs> and, and Egnor was, Egnor's reaction was very similar to mine where I was just like, we were both just utterly enthralled with the fact that this place existed. And then we went and played a second game with them, which was literally a trailer park in the woods. They had brought in a whole bunch of old trailers and set up a campground in the middle of the woods. And Oh, they actually made that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, oh wow. Yes. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. You had so, to get into the trailers and get stuff from them and make if you, moonshine. And if you want to see photos of these, just hop on Room Escape Artist and just search for Escape Woods. We have two reviews from them, and the photos are, are just kind of breathtaking. And I, I, I really, I hope that this company um, has made some improvements because I, I think that they could be unbelievably wonderful if they tighten up some of these things. Yeah, that's, that sounds really cool. I, I don't know, like for myself, even though I'm, yes, I'm more into narrative and immersion, I still find that if a puzzle doesn't fit, it won't, the immersion won't save it at that point for me. 
Like if if I'm having if I'm getting frustrated because it's too obtuse or it just doesn't fit the theme or whatever, what have you, even though I'll still like the immersion and everything, I'll probably think of it as a as a more subpar room because it affected my experience overall. I I agree with that. Absolutely. I think that the game flow, which a lot of which is determined by the puzzle content, um, is is the piece that that delivers a good portion of the fun. Like that's what you're doing. That's what you're participating in. And if that stalls or that doesn't work well, then you can be in the craziest environment ever, but the fun is going to have trouble. We've played some games that had amazing immersive environments and yeah, we walked away feeling like it was hollow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't mind easy puzzles. I, I know that a lot of owners or people think that in order to entertain us, we need to have hard puzzles. And I don't need to have hard puzzles. I need a good game flow. And if you put easy puzzles in an amazing, immersive experience, I'd probably be very happy. I, I think have to be hard. I think you're right. And we, we've been more and more preaching, you know, that pace, you know, pacing and keeping the, the momentum going in an escape room is far more important than, mm-hmm. than presenting a, a hefty level of, of difficulty in an individual puzzle. I think if a game is hard, it should be because there is a little bit more content, um, easier, a little bit more easier content that your average team cannot get through all of it in an hour. But I don't think it should be because there are some like insurmountable hurdle puzzles that you're just stuck on for forever. Um, I think it's just- 30 minute logic puzzle. Yeah, yeah, the 30 minute logic puzzle. I, I, I think that it's, it's, it's all about pacing. And if, you, if you're the type of puzzler who wants something really hard, you know, go and, go and do a puzzle hunt. Go and download Clue Keeper, or go and you know go to a you know go to a monthly puzzled pint, or you know do any number you know play, play the you know play the Cryptex hunt. There's any number <laughs> of you know, cause uh, if you want if you want a good example of how not to pace an escape room. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Cryptex hunt is great. <laughs> the Cryptex hunt had some had some really seriously tough stuff, and and I and I know from looking looking at the leaderboard that you know seeing the drop off that some of that presented, you know that is you know there's a lesson for escape room owners in that you know you can people's interest will wane when they're you know when they're expect you know if 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 they're if they can't if they absolutely can't get past it. We did. Uh, I don't know. Should I? T- I, I, I we did an escape room recently. Uh, we did. It was a historical one. Oh right. Yes. Yeah. And it was it was a good example of the the beginning of it was great. It was at a it was at a historical house Wait, in downtown Toronto. When we knocked Toronto. on the door. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and then we went in the house, and then it went downhill. Well, no, okay. Let me set it up a little more before okay. you like we just knocked on the, the door. The beginning and of that it was great. It was, like, it was great. No, 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 I'm not arguing with you. That was really fun. So but the beginning of it got was... me excited, right? It hooked me. You go up. It was about uh, William Lyon Mackenzie. He was one of. Um, uh, Canada's former prime ministers, and also at one point the mayor of Toronto. And so we we went to his house, and and the whole thing was that like, oh no, the British are you know coming, coming. <laughs> <laughs> but not <laughs> and or or what, what was doing? it? 
Yeah, we were rebels. We were rebelling, right? We wanted a free Canada, whatever. And so we had to sneak up into his house in the night and knock on the front door. And then this guy opens the door and he was like, were you followed? Right. And it was very like, oh, this is cool. This is exciting. We're going into this historic house. And then it was still fun, but the pacing just fell apart after that. Like, it, it wasn't... It was a lot of us running up the stairs, running back down the stairs. Oh, upstairs, wait, it's upstairs again. Downstairs. Oh, wait, we got to go back downstairs. Now we got to go to the basement. Nope, now. And so, and it just sort of, like, the excitement just, it just deflated after that. <laughs> and and I, and I, it wasn't as nearly a, a fun experience as I'd hoped it would be. Still, like, it was still fun. It was just, you know, they they completely deflated the pacing. That makes sense. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, your big budget movies are paced the way they are, which is, you know, constantly intense. I don't necessarily think that's right for for all storytelling. But if you want to make an escape room, having that, you know, you know, you know, revving up the intensity and keeping it up is not a bad idea. Uh, Sort of back to suspension of disbelief. um, I was actually wondering, I don't know what you guys think, but I was wondering if expectations comes into play at all like for instance if i go to an escape room that i know is basically your basic it's in an office they've dressed it up like a pirate cave then i'm i'm for some reason i'm not nearly as judgy about i don't go in there expecting to to be immersed in a fully realized world well, whereas I would be, i'd be judgy you'd be judgy <laughs> but like if i go for instance if someone claims for instance to be a very immersive world and everything I find that, like, if I walk into a very realistic-looking set, uh, the moment I see an exposed wire or something, suddenly that is more noticeable to me than, say, if I was in the crummily dressed, uh, you know, Egypt room or pirate room in an office. The curve of judgment. Curve of judgment. That's a good <laughs> yeah. term for it. Uh, yeah. th- this is a thing that we, we've been kind of doing in our reviews for a really long time, where we have been ramping up our level of i'll call it nitpickiness with the level of uh, with the level of quality of the game so if if the game is not gra- you know grasping the basics if the set is poor if the puzzles are poor if there's no game flow um, we're not going to go like you're never going to see in a game where we're we're picking apart like the foundational layer stuff you're never going to see us point out that you know there were wires exposed and that, um, you know, one of the puzzles didn't really, like, didn't really, like, it was a good puzzle, but it didn't fit in the narrative. Like, you're never going to see us write about that when they didn't get the basics right. Uh, We may notice it, but, like, we just drop it because there's only so much you can pile on, you know, if somebody... (laughs) And and that's just not even relevant at that point. Yeah. You know, you want to make a good game first. You want to make... Um, an inviting environment, something interesting, and you've got to nail the first pieces before we start looking at some of those other details. Yeah. When when you talk about suspension of disbelief, one of the things that drives me the most crazy in just game, in, in just um, story and 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 some of the choices that companies make, is when they are presenting you with a serial killer or a horror game of some sort. It's, you know, the you know, murderer's room and it's you know, their advertising is all saw-esque. Mm-hmm. And then you get in there and it's like 
Halloween party store, you know, like, 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 <laughs> yes. yeah, like, yes. like this, the, the birthday party for, for the seven year old who was born on October 30th, like <laughs> that, yep. that's not that that's really mediocre. Cause it's, it's bad for everybody. It's, it's bad because it's turning off the people who there's there's a ton of people who don't want to play that horror game at all and they're going to be afraid of it so they're not going to go. Then you have the people who legitimately want you know want to play a horror game and they want to be you know they want to be scared and they go and this is you know un, you know well beneath anything that they're expecting. So the only people that this is for are people who vaguely like the idea of horror but are also afraid of being afraid. Yeah, I think, oh my God, that drives me nuts too. I think the the question that people don't ask themselves enough when they're creating these games, if a room is based on a person, if it's about a serial killer, or it's about a detective or whatever, the question they never ask themselves is, what is their world and why are they there? Like, what, how did they get to where they are at? And because, yeah, otherwise it's just, you're right, like a bunch of scary decorations in a saw room kind of that was one of my very first red reports one uh, uh, and a room that got me so angry i just spent i spent a whole review just smashing every single element in it. <laughs> and I, it was a, it was a nursery run and they had really creepy things in there but then they also had cheap dollar store laughing halloween cards that made no sense right. wasn't scary at all I was like, why, why are you mixing these two so one of the on a similar subject, one of the pieces of advice that I found myself giving most often to people at the Nashville Escape Room Conference this year, when they were asking about theme and what themes should they build, the advice I was giving was design, you know, set your design your game based on what you can actually build really well. Yes. You know, if you can if you can only build an office, well, fine. Come up with a really unique spin on an office. Make it, you know, a study from 17 something and, you know, get the, you know, get some nice wood trim and make it feel like a place, not like, you know, you know, not not like the office that I'm, you know, that, that people are going to, you know, Monday through Friday. Um, if you can, you know, if you can't if you can only build something that's basic, why are you making a pirate ship or an or, or an ancient tomb? And or... then think more creatively. If you really are going to set it in an office because you can't do any sort of set design, you don't have the budget, you don't have the skills, it's just not your thing and you want to make puzzles, then how do you bring in some other creative side so that that space is still interesting to be in? Yeah. Well, that's kind of how we did our events as well because we knew there were certain things that we couldn't do in this large-scale event, partially because we, we didn't have the expertise, partially because it's a large amount of people, but we're like, we don't, we can't have a fancy set. We can't have... Well, we can't tear down the venue. We can't tear down right. the venue. We can't, like... So how do we make up for that within our game? How do we keep people saying this is this is still a worthy experience even though we're not like in a super fancy set? And yeah, so the answer for us was like, well, like bring in actors, but of well, course that's another cost. It is also a fancy set because we set it in in a locale that it was Yeah, so to we made in. sure that the locales that we had would still feel like a place that made sense to the story so for our wedding venue we actually set it at a place that that had Post weddings, weddings. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, we went we got so a wedding even doesn't venue. even feel like it it was one so you know well, that like was i was thinking more the speakeasy one yeah right? same thing with mm -hmm. the speakeasy yeah 
But so, I, I do agree, right? That I have. I think there's that hype of expectation where if you, I totally agree that if you say that this is an office, then I won't go in there and start picking at like, oh, I don't know, offices don't have uh, telephones. I don't know, they they do. <laughs> but, if, but if it's a but if it's a pirate ship and I go in and there's a telephone or an outlet, <laughs> then I'm going to be very picky because you said this is a pirate ship and it looks like your office with a big net on the wall. And that's that's not a pirate ship. So sometimes I'm a little bit forgiving about like outlets because I, you know, I understand that there are local codes, at least in the United States, yes. some some municipalities, they there it would be illegal for them to cover up those outlets or to remove them, which is dumb. Um, but they're they're legally not allowed to do it, and you know, yeah, you can get into the well. Maybe they shouldn't have you know purchased in that location. You know, maybe they should be in a warehouse space where they can put up their own walls. And you know, that's I, I I'm not going to fault somebody who wanted to put an escape room in you know in, in a in a city center you know where there are no warehouses, and you know they wanted to have easy access to mass transit. You know, and and that's a trade off they chose. It's you know. It, it, I, I can't I can't beat them up for that. I would feel like a jerk if I did. I just wish that they would allow us to bring in our phones and then we could charge the phones at the same time. <laughs> Do you know how hard it was? We were at a conference and it was like oh. near impossible trying to find an outlet. I, I found like. Daryl at the only outlet in the whole friggin' place. And I was looking for an outlet too, but he was charging his camera for work. And so I couldn't... <laughs> Oh, my outlets phone. are are amazing. Oh. So, you know what they wish? That's what they should do at escape rooms. If they make you like put your phone away, then let allow for a charging station. Start we've we've seen it. We've been to we've been oh, to escape nice. rooms that have that where they had they had lockers um, with charging stations in them, so you could leave your phone and all your belongings, lock it all up, and when you came back, your phone was charged. I still get brilliant. I still get pissed off about it though. I, I it really it drives me crazy um, when companies want to want to take my one thousand dollar pocket computer with all of my personal information and everything I need for work on it and like put it into a into a you know an you know a, a, an aluminum locker with with a with a lock that I know I can open effortless, effortlessly in like <laughs> you know fifteen seconds. Yeah, you because know, they because they bought a master lock for you know for five dollars. In that case, it was optional. If you wanted to charge, you could. Yeah, I know. I, I I think the charging station is really kind, but I I for me the mandating the uh, the you know you can't have your phone on you that that still really irks me. Is it so? Is it because like. Because at this point, it's like, well, obviously you don't need your phone to solve a puzzle usually, or at least good designs you shouldn't. Some people hate it when you use your cell phone flashlight because they want to oh, make it harder with just one well, flashlight. I mean, right. Because they hate or, or the fact that they don't want you taking pictures of the sets and that, I guess. For, um, for me, I'm totally fine. If you tell me, look, you know, you can't take your phone out. If I see your phone, your team loses, you have to leave. You know, keep it in your pocket. I am, you know, I'm fine with that. I am I'm fine with, you know, with them with them not allowing phones in the room as 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 something that people are using. I'm not fine with making me surrender it. I, you know, I think that these they're they're expensive. I don't trust I don't trust the company's handling of them. Um, and it's any company. I don't trust the handling of it. I don't think they have the liability. You know, I don't know whether they have the liability coverage. You know, if they're, if you know, how they're going to handle it if something were to happen to my phone while it's in their possession. You know, I don't. You know, 
I, I know people who, you know, system administrators who literally have to have their phone on them. You know, they, they, they may get a phone call that requires them to stop what they're doing and walk out of the game right then and there. Oh, no. Or people who, pay people, right, right. people who, are, who, are, who are doctors, people who are firefighters. There are, you know, people who, even just people who, you know, this people is their night People who are parents yeah. have a babysitter at home. Exactly. There are a lot of legitimate reasons why someone would want to, would, would need to have their phone on them, not want to take it out, but be, but be put in a position where they have to check. And it, to me, you know, movie theaters don't, don't do this. You know, even, even, you know, Proper theaters don't do this. You may have to walk out of the theater to, you know, to... to, to Everybody to, might turn and look at you like you're the worst thing that ever happened to the theater. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, think you're, I, think you're an, I think you're a jerk if you take your phone out while you're in the theater, even just to send a text. But if you have it on you and you choose to walk out yeah. and take that call, that is absolutely fine. And I don't understand why escape rooms believe that they're special in some way and that this is a thing that they can enforce. Clap, 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 clap. No, I agree. I'm not <laughs> arguing with you whatsoever. Clever. Yeah. No, that's mm. that's a really good point. Yeah, the other thing is, especially if the company locks us in the room, like actually locks us in, and there's no emergency exit. Yeah, I truly do want my phone on me. I want to be able to call out if something goes horribly wrong, if you know, if there's a fire, if if we we can't get out and our game master isn't responding because they had a stroke while they were sitting behind the you know the the, the you know, in, in the game master's booth, and we're truly stuck in there. Like, uh, locking in is a whole separate thing. You know, people don't plan for crisis. I do, and part of my crisis plan is that I have my I have my phone on me. I hope I never you, need it, but I, I don't I, I don't trust enough to to totally surrender it. I don't even trust their puzzles. Do you usually <laughs> find that? A lot of rooms still lock their doors. Yeah, I, I've, it, I haven't done a really locked door room in a long time. It, it's really fading. And less I, and less. I'm, less and less. Yeah. But the low end of the market, absolutely. And it's the low end of the market oh, yeah. that I don't trust. That's true. And to be honest, n- now that we have to travel to do rooms, we don't go, ooh, let's do this one star room. Yeah. <laughs> That'll yeah. be amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you're traveling, I'm like, I want to play the best one. So I don't want... <laughs> Even some rooms are being really lenient now, which is great, where it's like, if you want to go to the bathroom, just you can leave and then just come back. And it's like, oh, great. That's amazing. That's how you it know, should be. And we've had yeah. that happen. No, I agree. You know, multiple times while playing a room, either us or somebody else like had to use the bathroom or just had some other emergency where they had to step out. And maybe they were only out of the room for two minutes. Maybe it was 10 minutes. But then... They came back in and they could keep playing with the group. It happened to me once. I got really sick when I was in a room once and I had to go out for a little while. I was, yeah, I was really not feeling well. Lisa wrote that review. <laughs> and they also went into the dark place first because nobody else would. Oh. Yeah. It, was, it was a major growing moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I, I just think that there's, there's a lot of opportunity where you know where, where companies can just make the experience more comfortable for people and let them play it a little bit more on their terms and that's that's better you know you get to read a you know you get to read books you get to watch movies you get to go and do theater and a lot you know the, all of these things are much more flexible than a lot of escape rooms get and i i don't think that that those are the rules that matter. Don't break stuff is a rule that matters. You know, being mm. respectful to the game master, those are things that matter. Whether or not, you know, you know, someone has a phone on them, you know, because they have a babysitter at home and even if they, you know, have to take it out to take a call for, you know, for a moment. You know, that's that's not 
that's not the end of the world. That's, that's you know, bad. It's bad for their own individual experience as a player. Or anything with a sticker on it should not be touched. <laughs> a great segue. <laughs> yeah. I, I read Have you been reading Room Escape Artist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just read your article about... Uh, you mean while David was talking? No, no, before, before. Goodness gracious, I listen to people. But yeah, so, so yeah, the do not touch stickers. This is a thing that you and I, at least we've been talking about writing this post for probably three years. A really long time. It was in Trello. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Trello post. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I just, I woke up one morning and I was like, all right, that's the, it's time to write this. Um but yeah, the do not touch stickers are—they're are, just a confusing element, and, and uh, well, we what's happened is we've been getting more and more confused by them yeah. because the more that we see them, the more variance there is in what it means. So every time someone says, "Oh, and you can just ignore the do not touch sticker," we're like, "Wait a second, does that mean we don't have to look at that item, or is that just mean we don't touch it, but we will still need to look at it, or we do not touch it, but we maybe still need to look at it, or I don't know. There's a whole lot of other variations the, on that, the, or or we can touch it, but we shouldn't move it. Like, yeah, we we see a lot. Like we have every time that rule comes up, I it's it's the only rule that I ask to clarify anymore, other than. Um, Occasionally, if I see there are a lot of drawers, I'll ask if you know we can leave them in place. Um, mm-hmm. But those are those are the only two rule clarifications we ask for regularly, and and the stickers just they, they drive me crazy most of the time. <laughs> I, I wonder because a lot of the stickers that I see are, are on things like uh, electrical outlets. Um, Reset boxes. Mm-hmm. Reset boxes. You know, it's like okay, this is the only this is the only access into this device, and so we've locked it up so you can't go in. Yeah, right. Um, I just wonder, like, how I am curious. Like, an owner might be able to say this more than anybody. Like, how often do people say, like, huh, maybe I should try that electrical outlet, or you know, or maybe I should stick something in there. Some, a lot of the stickers seem to be common sense items, but for stuff like posters, I guess, you know, our inclination is let's take that poster down and see if anything's behind it. Then it might make sense to put something there to say like, no, look, but don't touch kind of thing. So what I find happens for me, if we go into a room and there's a lot of pictures on the wall, um, more often than not, there's one or two pictures that don't have a do not touch sticker and it has, and, and, and you know, it's a little, it's on a hinge and you can, you can move it. One of two things happens to me in those games. Either I see that there are do not touch stickers and I just com- start, completely start disregarding all of the pictures and then end up taking a hint to... Me too. Right. Yep, or uh, the first picture I look at is the one that's hinged and I... I move it and I'm like, oh, the pictures are in play. And then I start going in and I start, you know, and I reach for another picture and I hear, you know, a a stern game master come on and be like, yeah, you weren't paying attention. That has a do not touch sticker on it. And I'm like, you know, you just trained me that this is fine. It's not malicious and I'm not prying it off the wall. Very true. You can train your players and if you train them the right way. I mean that makes us sound like puppies, but we are puppies. We are. Uh, we are. We are John puppies, yes. especially in doggy dog world. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of 
game designers don't realize that they can train their players. Like when we do our events, our large scale events, they're in venues and we don't want them touching anything. Right. We, venues with with heritage items. Yes. Actually. And we found that for the most part, they learned through the puzzles that they were doing that they did not need to touch anything. So they didn't. I think the yeah. big difference with your design was you didn't tell them what they couldn't touch. You showed them what they could touch. Yeah. So they learned that if ever they saw a symbol on something, a, a display, whatever, that was something that they needed to pay attention to. You used that really effectively. So they, that way they could ignore everything else and look for this particular symbol around there. Yeah. Where this previous game that Manpans was talking about where we were in a heritage <laughs> yeah. building, and at the very beginning, he says, okay, so we don't want you touching anything, but you will have to search. And you will know when you have to search, and then you might need to ask permission to touch something. It was horrible. Because was. one of the things, and this Ugh. is a little bit of a spoiler, we had to like search for forks and knives. And and it, there were a drawers place where everywhere. And could be. Yeah. So, and we, so start we started opening opening, opening drawers. <laughs> like here, no, no, no. There there aren't any there. Yeah. And you would probably should go to the kitchen. So we walk on down to the kitchen, and there are cupboards on every wall. <laughs> so we start opening them. Oh, oh no, no, not that no, one, no, no. <laughs> that's a good place for forks and knives, but not that. Don't touch that, please. And it's like, oh, for pity's sake, why did you put searching in this house if you didn't yeah, want really. us touching anything? <laughs> Drove me mad. We were being gentle. We weren't like we were. ripping over we weren't anything. Ripping anything. But it was. But, it was. Uh, uh, we were very nervous about like, is this an artifact or a game piece? <laughs> but and I think that whether or not you do it the way you did in some of the spaces, you had to where there was a symbol that led you to what was in play. In good escape room design, it's pretty clear what is in play and what is interesting. And you can, mm -hmm. if you do that, you keep the players engaged and they will never go to the things that are out of play and uninteresting and not part of the game because it's very clear that there's nothing there. The flip side of that is when the most interesting things in the room are things that are out of play, which is usually a sign of a bad game. And it's always the typewriter. It's all, yeah, the type, they, these games always have a typewriter. No. And it's like, ooh, what are we going to get to type? Is it going to transpose a different message? And it's like, don't touch the typewriter. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. The, the Heritage game had a piano in it. And it's oh, like, no, no, don't touch that. But it's a piano. But it was Errol, and it was in a piano, and there was a seat right there for him to sit on, you know? Like, there's, a seat, there's a seat and a piano? You're like a moth to the flame. Oh. Yeah. By the way, uh, by the way, Errol, uh, uh, see, actually seeing you take your shoes and socks off in a game... Um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't have socks. Oh, you didn't, you didn't have socks to take off. But seeing you barefoot in a game was one of those things that was like, I, I didn't actually like, like, I, I had heard about it. I didn't believe that it was real. I believed it was real. I don't know why. Like, I, that was a, uh, that was a special moment for me. <laughs> well, I just want to be comfortable when I'm playing games. <laughs> And, and then my feet get hot, so I take off my shoes. <laughs> the, the worst one was still when, when you took off your shoes and we didn't realize you took off your shoes, and oh. then I found your shoes oh, and right. was looking inside. That, that was the one that was video recorded, right? <laughs> there were right? clues, and then wondering, like, why are they so warm in here? And I was like, oh. uh. And I was like, oh, they're mine. And I'm like, oh. that, that was the there was a video of that, right? 
Oh no, that was a different video where I, I hung them where they weren't supposed to be hung. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because they were covering the... clues at the time. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> was Panic Factory, right? Yeah. 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 I was I was barefoot. I, I remember being at Lab Rat and asking if I could be barefoot and he said yes. And I said, Yeah. <laughs> so at the very beginning, and this is not much of a spoiler, but the 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 floor at the very beginning was a little bit bumpy and it's like oh this looks like it might hurt oh well i'll, I'll survive <laughs> it's like one of those shiatsu carpets oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was it was great though because i i know you had a chance to play with david and lisa so yes. i was happy to have a chance to play with david and lisa yes that watching david and lisa is a fun experience <laughs> you guys have it down to a science <laughs> so it's like where's the lighting okay there's the signposting lisa go that way i'll do this and yeah i didn't have to do much in the rooms so. i think and i i do realize i don't i probably don't play like a like a good teammate because i just find things and then i just put them somewhere where i i expect my teammates will eventually come across it and it's important oh 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 what about the one i think we've mentioned it on this podcast but where ruby and i had solved no we were we were going into a room and we were trying to solve something and we looked over at a board where there was an equation on a board that had been written there and we're like and it it resulted in a four-digit thing we're like has anyone tried that we tried it in lock no errol had done the work errol had solved the puzzle he just decided not to do anything with the solution and walked away and didn't tell anybody that he had worked on this puzzle. (laughs) I did do that to you, David and Lisa. I don't know if you noticed, because I was searching, and then I found something, and then I just put them on the table. Yeah, I I noticed. But you... you You were you turned you started off as a really amusing teammate, and then you turned into a really useful teammate in Stash House. Yes, well, he's that's really what he does. He can't do both at once. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, what he th- does. There, there was so a, like, there was a point sorry, in Stash. Ahead. So there's a point in Stash House where basically the team kind of splits up a bit, and Errol was like all alone. And with, with, like, two of the harder puzzles in the game. And we all reemerged from, from, from going off on our own separate branches. And you had, you had knocked out those puzzles. That was really lovely. So, yeah, you, you, you killed it at that point. Yay. Yeah, see, that's what he does. He'll, like, be like, Mr. Oh, no shoes at the beginning. And then at the, toward the end, suddenly turns on Puzzle Errol. And Puzzle Errol, like, solves everything. Well, no, no, it's, it's more along the I'm second pair of eyes. I keep telling you that. <laughs> it's just like if somebody looks at it and if they don't get it immediately, because now that we're experienced enough with a bunch of teammates, we will we know to give up. I think that's what separates in a, a newbie from an experienced player is is knowing when to give up and thinking, OK, I've stared at this too long. Let somebody else have a chance. I was like I, I, I was trying at that music puzzle and I, I was like, this is this is not for me. I'm, I'm giving this to Errol. This is going to be his problem now. It was it was a hard problem. That it, was I had a hard time discerning things in that, but uh, yeah, that, I, th- I thought that was the hardest puzzle of the game. It, it took me a long time. Weren't we missing some information out. when we solved that? We may have been missing some. There information. was some additional no. cluing that we. Didn't oh, I, see. I was I missed some information. Errol Errol found that like pretty quickly, but I I, I, I had missed it. Anyway, no spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. Yes, it's hard to talk the, about. Stash House is spoilers. awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. Go play. That's 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 your spoiler. It's it's awesome. I don't know. The pictures tell me otherwise. No, but. the pictures should tell you it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're at like a, a yeah. minute twenty-two. Wow. A minute. Going. 
A minute. 20. Oh, sorry, an hour and twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> there was something uh, else on your long list. I think you wanted to talk about. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I feel like we've covered a lot of good ground here. Yeah. So. I don't know if you're allowed to give any... I know that we are doing your Golden Lock Awards. That's going to be in January. Are there exciting things in the new year that you're allowed to talk about? There are so many exciting things. I think the most exciting thing is that very soon we will be announcing the next Escape Immerse Explore tour. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. That's been in the works for quite some time, and we are super excited to announce. So yeah. stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We can't. We can't announce that. We yet. can't oh. announce it yet, but soon. No. We can't announce it yet, but you know, if you maybe tune into the Golden Lock In Live announcement, you might learn about it. Okay. Do you have a lot of conferences lined up for 2019? Uh. We, we definitely have, um, you know, we have the, the Trans World Haunt show that we're going to go to in St. Louis. We've heard a lot about it over the years, and uh, we're finally going to go down there um, oh, for, nice. for, for that one. So, so I think we'll be speaking at that um, and probably just wandering around because we hear that that show floor is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we- we're going out to Austin and San Antonio in advance of the uh, escape room conference that's going to be there over the summer. We'll be going out in February to play a whole bunch of games and write reviews. So that's ah, coming soon. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, those are the ones that are definitely on our schedule right now. Uh, we're we're ho- hoping to get out to up the game and uh, mm. see what else is coming up. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have we've got all that stuff going on. We're hosting more regular meetups. Uh, we're hosting an escape room meetup in Boston next weekend. Um, if anybody is in that area, we're going to be getting a whole bunch of people together at uh, Room Escapers. Uh, That's Sunday the 16th in the morning. If you're in Boston, you should absolutely come out. If you're near Boston, you should come hang out. Yeah, so we're just trying to, you know, we've been doing a lot of a lot to try and get more human interaction and, you know, pull the community out of the Internet and into real life because that's what escape rooms are all about. No. Yes, and so hopefully you can do... More of those meetups across the country. That'd be cool. Yeah. I have been absolutely country. ruined now since I went to Amsterdam because now all the trips... First, I want to travel more. Second, everywhere I travel, I want to do escape rooms. This has made it absolutely impossible to travel with my non-escape room friends who want to That's plan a trip true. and who are like, oh, we should go to like an all-inclusive resort. I'm like, no! I want to go to I have a room. I have a friend in Germany and my wife, it's a friend of my wife as well, and she was saying she wanted to see her. And I think, oh, you want to go to Germany? Yeah, let's, let's do it. That's going. And then, and then she tells me, oh, what? She just booked flights to come to Canada to visit us. I'm going, what? Well, I was willing to go. <laughs> I mean, I, I am glad to see my, my friend. Oh, just sure. That, yeah. yeah. I, but, 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 maybe, but maybe in Germany where you can go to Berlin and Hamburg. Seriously. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But maybe you guys can uh, come on down to New York and, uh, you know, you can stay with us. You can play some yeah. games. So Oof. many things I want to do. Yeah. I just got to get it past my family. <laughs> I'm single and See, free. I, I, tried, I tried to convince them, you know, it'd be a fun place to go. It, it'd be, you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, what? and then my daughters, why would we go there? Cajun food. Well, you know, 
yeah, yeah. We go to New Orleans and have fun. They're going, no, no, I don't want to go there. Why would we go there? It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Now, my wife would, would love to go to New Orleans. It's just that my kids don't really find that enticing. Whatever, they'll be in university soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. No, the youngest is still a few hour, few years away. A few hours away. <laughs> few, yeah, a few hours away. <sighs> anyway, thank you so much. Why are you ending it so quickly? You we said, could talk about all sorts of things. Well, now. you were saying like, like an hour drama. twenty-two. We could talk about drama. <laughs> of course, well, we can always talk about drama. I just thought you're like an hour twenty-two, and I was like, oh, well, no, that I wasn't guess we meaning can... for it to end. <laughs> oh. You just want gossip now? Yeah, yeah. Is it gossip like, we, time? We don't ever talk about gossip on the, on the <laughs> oh, podcast. We so have one other conference to... coming up. I just remembered. Oh. oh yeah. yeah, we have one other conference. It's uh, the Immersive Design Summit. Uh, we're not going to oh, be... Oh, right. right. That's soon, yeah, isn't it? That's in, uh, that's out in, in uh, San Francisco. We're, uh, we're not going to be speaking at that one, but we're, uh, we're, we're, well, we're a media sponsor of it. And uh, you know, we're, we're going to be out there uh, you know, just talking shop. Getting that one looks so cool. Yeah. So that that brings us to our last question then. Can I have a last question? <laughs> I'm sure David and Lisa get this question all the time. What are your predictions or where do you see the escape room industry going you asked for the 2019? Biggest question last. <laughs> all right. All right. Like everybody's probably wondering because I know owners are dying to know this. You know, mm-hmm. nobody is ever saying, I think it'll be better puzzle design. <laughs> Freaks. You want to go first? Do you want me to? Sure, I'll go first. Our data shows that more and more escape rooms are still opening. They're not opening at the same rate that they were a couple of years ago, um, but we're absolutely seeing more companies enter the business. So escape rooms aren't going anywhere. That said, um, they are turning into more of amusements. So there's a higher barrier to entry. It takes more. Um, more time, more money, more effort to get into the business and succeed. So that mm. has slowed the rate of companies that are opening up now. It has also increased the closure rate. Mm. Yeah. So we're seeing, we're definitely seeing an uptick in the closure rate. Uh, it's not like catastrophic. It's not anything that like we're not afraid of it. And for the most part, um, it's either companies that are clearly on the lower end of the market. Or good companies that have very good reasons for them closing. You know, some cases it's been like one company. You know, one company has two locations, and one of them performs amazingly, and one of them is pretty average. And they decided we're going to close the average one and focus all of our energy on the one that's doing well. Or there's com- you know a company where both partners had major medical problems, and they lost you know they they lost their parents in a in a very short span of time, and they just went through a lot of personal drama and difficulty, and they said you know what we need to work for other people. People for the time being, so they closed. Um, or companies like you know where they the business model they you know, they put a lot of energy into it and they built something really special, but the business model wasn't sound because they required too many actors or something like that. So we're seeing stuff like that. We're starting to see more mergers and acquisitions. We're seeing companies that are you know in in a, in a similar area and saying let's just combine forces. One thing that I'm not I, I don't know if it's a prediction, it's a hope. I would really love to see companies um, get married based on on, on compa- compatible skills and weaknesses. 
We see mm-hmm. a, we go we visit a lot of parts of the of of the world where we go and we play one company and they have amazing customer service and puzzle design, but their sets and their you know immersion and storytelling is really weak. And then we'll go to another company where their sets are amazing, but they don't really know how to like handle customers well and their puzzles are pretty weak. And I would love to see those two companies. You know, sometimes they're just a couple miles away. I'd be like, just just get married. Just you know. You just go and, you know, you guys get together and, you know, the people who know how to build sets, build the sets and the people who know how to build, the, you know, build the puzzles, build the puzzles and you guys can just start dominating. We don't see a lot of that. It's a thing that I hope to see because we know that the, the mergers are But we are, are seeing more of it. We've yeah. started to see it um, in different places yeah. around the country. So that's on the business side. On the, the game design, uh, on the game design side. I think we're seeing an increase, you know, we're definitely seeing an increase, um, or call it a decrease in, in, in puzzle complexity uh, and an increase in, in pacing. And, uh, and that's, a great, that's a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to see it. I hope that we continue to see more of that. I, we're seeing some um, companies... Also on the gameplay side, I think we're seeing more tech and more variety of tech but that's not saying that we're not seeing locks anymore because we're definitely still seeing really interesting uses for locks too which is totally fine and and great one one thing that i i think we're starting to see and i think it's kind of a negative trend are escape rooms that are pretty much devoid of puzzles where it's just a lot of tasks um and this is you know these these tend to be more on the immersive scenic design side of things Uh, i think this is a bad trend i think it's a bad idea um i think that these games are hollow they're 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 more about you know going on a walking tour of space um the gameplay is really limited there isn't anything to aspire to as a player there isn't anything to get better at i think there's a reason why puzzles have persisted the way they have in in video games you know and it's also why puzzle game puzzle video games have persisted people play tetris 30 something years later there's something compelling that draws people in, and I think if you completely cut that out, it's going to be a it's going to be a a bad thing. Well, it kind of harkens back to that suspension of disbelief thing, maybe. Well, with you know, some some designers are like, well, it doesn't make sense to have these types of puzzles in a real life environment, but then it's not what they're not realizing that. Well, of course not, but we're we don't care about that. We're willing to overlook it because this is the experience that we want to have. Yeah. And sometimes that, it's... and also sometimes real life does have puzzles. Sometimes you need a Trello board to manage your life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make an escape room with a Trello board. <laughs> no, but, but in truth, I mean, sometimes the puzzles that are sort of shoved into escape rooms seem really far-fetched and out there and maybe not supportive of a narrative or story-driven adventure. But other times... Um, we've seen designers who've created puzzles that really support that and make it feel that much more alive, I guess. Yeah. And sometimes it's taking a concept that, you know, you can't even imagine would be good and, and you know, a, a, or a puzzle that would apply and completely reimagining how it works. Um, you know, Startup Escape out in, uh, in San Francisco, who also they used, their, they used Slack as their hint system, which was hilarious and absolutely, <laughs> talk about so absolutely perfect. <laughs> Um, they had a game in their um, in their graphic design department because the whole game is broken out into uh, different departments for a startup, um, and it was it was a Sudoku. It was a straight up Sudoku. It was reimagined completely, and it totally worked. Yeah, it, it was didn't awesome. feel like a Sudoku, but that's exactly what it was. You can 
you can take all of these common puzzles and if you have the creativity and the will you can reimagine them in in all sorts of different ways and just change it up and make it feel right but it, it does require putting in the work yeah so i think those are some of our our bigger predictions I, you know we're not going to we're not going to see the booming, you know, growth that we, you know, that we did. Part of it is just because it takes, you know, some of these games are taking six months to a year to build now. Um, the games have to last right. longer. Um, when you go mm-hmm. and invest all of that, you know, time and energy into building something beautiful and wonderful, those games need to have a longer life cycle, which means that there's also going to be a growing need for entertainment and community that keeps escape room players plugged in because we're not going to have company cycling games every six months like you could have expected four years ago. So I think the community aspect of this is all the more important. Um, It's important for the companies to get their players plugged into these communities because those, those those, those communities are are what keeps the ground fertile for them while it takes them you know months or years to go and roll out new content so speaking of the communities do you mean like communities within their local city or yes just ah Sl- speaking yeah, yeah all of it Sl- you know yeah. i i think you know i think the slack community that that we all spend a you know good chunk of time in is a wonderful place i think that you know having <laughs> local meetups um i I just I love people who love escape rooms. That's that's what we found. It's, this is our tribe. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's just fun to hang out with these people, even if we're not. And we don't about have to play rooms. an escape room to hang out with these people and have a good time. We don't even have to talk about escape rooms, even though we usually will. <laughs> it was interesting because Nick Moran, when we did the interview with him in the last podcast, he talked about. First wave and second wave enthusiasts. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I, I, I have a feeling I know where that's going. <laughs> oh, yes? Or where do you think it's going? It's, it's nothing really huge, but the fact that, you know, there are now a whole new generation, even though the industry is not that large. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we saw, we see it in, in the escape room tours. Um, so in New Orleans, we had people, you know, we had, we had the players who've played over 400. We had people who came to New Orleans who had only, who had only played about nine games and they literally doubled the amount of escape rooms that they had played over the course of the weekend on our, on our tour. And we also had players who had been playing escape rooms for three or four years and players who had found them, you know, two months before they booked tickets to come on this tour. Right. And there, you know, there, it's, it's definitely, there's room for everybody. There are norms that are assumed among some of the, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, the first wave players um, and and some of the, those things that we need to kind of get everyone up to speed on like you know there's some socialization that, that also kind of needs to happen like um, you know that it's not acceptable to yank a puzzle out of someone's hands and and that's and that's the thing <laughs> we that, have to tell people yeah, that <laughs> but it, but it's a, it's a thing that comes out of enthusiasm especially if you're if you're a newbie and you're you know you're playing with someone who's played 200 games and you're really excited you're in a you know you're in a wonderful game you also feel like you have to really perform well to measure up and like it's not a malicious thing it's not like uh i'm 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 gonna try to be mean or i think i'm better than you it's it's a thing that just comes from a place of passion and you know so there's just a little bit of you know yeah there's there's some norms that are that are are expected and we just need to, to to point it out um it's not like 
it's not a bad thing, but it's a thing that, you know, as, as we start to see newer enthusiasts come in, um, that we want to foster, you know, foster this socialization so that there is, you know, so that everyone's is, is coming, you know, coming from the same place and knows, knows the rules, the unspoken rules. Let's make them spoken. True. Like also to not destroy a room. Yeah. To, to actually not mess. It was really funny because one of the escape room owners here, Imaginarium, um, had E4G, Leader and Company, over to their rooms, and they were shocked. They were the cleanest people that kept putting everything back in the proper spots like that they should have been. Like back as they saw. Yeah, I do that too. And... Yeah, <laughs> and and they just made sure they didn't make a mess so that the the cleanup or the reset time was super easy for the game master <laughs> afterwards. Uh, yeah, we we were playing with um with 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 someone who was a game master, and um she was leaving like notes everywhere. There was like there was like a boogie board, and there was like a dry erase board, and she was leaving like encouraging notes for the game master. Like <laughs> I know I know that you're bored and you've done this a thousand times, but I just want you to know that I appreciate it. That's, <laughs> That's fun. So on that note, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lisa and David Spira of Room Escape Artists for joining us. Thank you uh, for, for having third us. third year in a row. It's been great talking to you and listening to what may be coming in the new year. Mm-hmm. We probably could have reminisced about the last year, but then we would have went on for another we hour. We kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did yeah, a little we bit. more. Yeah, yeah, we did a little bit. I, I, I don't think there's a shortage of content here. No, <laughs> no. So once again, where can people find you? Oh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all forms. The blog itself. Yeah, the blog, roomescapeartist.com. Yes, Patreon. Please do check out our Patreon. We're we're, also in in the real world. We're going to be in Boston in a week. We're in New York. If you happen to be in the area, shoot us a message. Um, Maybe we'll be able to catch a game with you. If not, we can recommend games or maybe grab a drink. And their site is roomescapeartist.com. So if you aren't already aware of that, that's where you can find them on the web. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, Man Pans, you can talk us out. All right. Room Escape. Oh, I almost said artist. Wow. Already. Okay. What What happened? I almost called us Room Escape Artist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think it's funny because when I type in, this is how popular Room Escape Artist is. When I. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. As we all know, and as David and Lisa know, they we try to make man pans crack. Yeah, so they've turned Room on their Escape camera. Room Escape is brought to you by Inverse <laughs> I was Genius. Tell you a story can go to and you messed up my story when I try to like talk to when I type in Room Escape Divas to go to okay. our website. You know what comes up? Room Escape Artist first. It's like I think I type Room Escape Artist more. <laughs> so that always I'm trying comes to listen to you. My... I'm watching their stupid faces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you call them stupid? They're our guests, like, man pans. Going down. Oh wow! <laughs> you don't call guests stupid. <laughs> okay, know, it's okay. You can when you're pen. being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she can't. No, <sighs> no, the guests are never wrong. <laughs> really? 
Well, we just talk. <laughs> Sorry, I just like glance over and there's David's face. Oh, like, wow. Okay, Room Don't Escape Divas. Desire. He's married. Brought to you by Inverse Genius. Go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also like us on Facebook. I think the I like hear his beard on the Room on the Escape mic. Divas page. If you would like to email us, it's that. Ah, I, I, my mistake is looking away and then looking back. <laughs> Uh, uh, Davis at gmail.com we love getting emails and uh, I don't know where to look anymore <laughs> okay uh, thanks guys bye bye